good evening, and welcome back to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode... I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to, but never really reads, and other random, boring ideas. Tonight, we return to another episode of Gray's Anatomy, the medical human anatomy textbook, first published in 1858 by British anatomist and surgeon Henry Gray. There will be no life and death situations. There will be no love triangles. And there will be no unrealistically attractive doctors and nurses in this podcast about Gray's anatomy just me, Josh. If you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Because at the end of the day, the more people that sleep with Josh, the better. You can follow me on social media at Josh Yang Comedy. Now sit back, relax, and close your eyes because you'll get tired of this podcast. Guaranteed. Anatomy of the Human Body by Henry Gray 20th edition Embryology Continuing with Fertilization of the Ovum Fertilization consists in the union of the spermatozoan with the mature ovum. 
Nothing is known regarding the fertilization of the human ovum, but the various stages of the process have been studied in other mammals, and from the knowledge so obtained, it is believed that fertilization of the human ovum takes place in the lateral and ampullary part of the uterine tube, and the ovum is then conveyed along the tube to the cavity of the uterus. A journey, probably occupying seven or eight days, and during which the ovum loses its corona radiata and zona striata and undergoes segmentation. Sometimes the fertilized ovum is arrested in the uterine tube and there undergoes development, giving rise to a tubal pregnancy, or it may fall into the abdominal cavity and produce an abdominal pregnancy, or occasionally the ovum is not expelled from the follicle when the latter ruptures but is fertilized within the follicle and produces what is known as an ovarian pregnancy. Under normal conditions, only one spermatozoan enters the yolk and takes part in the process of fertilization. At the point where the spermatozoan is about to pierce, the yolk is drawn out into a conical elevation termed the cone of attraction. As soon as the spermatozoan has entered the yolk, the peripheral portion of the latter is transformed into a membrane. The vitaline membrane, which prevents the passage of additional spermatozoa. Occasionally, a second spermatozoan may enter the yolk, thus giving rise to a condition of polyspermy. When this occurs, the ovum usually develops in an abnormal manner and gives rise to a monstrosity. Having pierced the yolk, the spermatozoan loses its tail, while its head and connecting piece assume the form of a nucleus containing a cluster of chromosomes. This constitutes the male pronucleus, and associated with it 
there are a centriole and a centrosome. The male pronucleus passes more deeply into the yolk, and coincidentally, with this, the granules of the cytoplasm surrounding it become radially arranged. The male and female pronuclei migrate toward each other, and meeting near the center of the yolk, fuse to form a new nucleus, the segmentation nucleus, which therefore contains both male and female nuclear substance. The former transmits the individualities of the male ancestors, the latter those of the female ancestors, to the future embryo. By the union of the male and female pronuclei, the number of chromosomes is restored to that which is present in the nuclei of the somatic cells. Curiously, no birds or bees are involved in this process. That was a joke. Segmentation of the Fertilized Ovum The early segmentation of the human ovum has not yet been observed, but judging from what is known to occur in other mammals, it may be regarded as certain that the process starts immediately after the ovum has been fertilized i.e., while the ovum is in the uterine tube. The segmentation nucleus exhibits the usual mitotic changes, and these are succeeded by a division of the ovum into two cells of nearly equal size. The process is repeated again and again so that the two cells are succeeded by 4, 8, 16, 32, and so on, with the result that a mass of cells is found within the zona striata, and to this mass the term morula is applied. The segmentation of the mammalian ovum may not take place in the regular sequence of 2, 4, 8, etc., since one of the two first formed cells may subdivide more rapidly than the other, giving rise to a 3 or a 5 cell stage. The cells of the morula are at first closely aggregated, but soon they become arranged into an outer or peripheral layer, the trophoblast, which does not contribute to the formation of the embryo proper, and an inner cell mass from which the embryo 
is developed. Fluid collects between the trophoblast and the greater part of the inner cell mass, and thus the morula is converted into a vesicle, the blastodermic vesicle. The inner cell mass remains in contact, however, with the trophoblast as one pole of the ovum. This is named the embryonic pole, since it indicates the situation where the future embryo will be developed. The cells of the trophoblast become differentiated into two strata, an outer termed the syncytium or syncytiotrophoblast, so named because it consists of a layer of protoplasm studded with nuclei, but showing no evidence of subdivision into cells, and an inner layer, the cytotrophoblast or layer of Langans in which the cell outlines are defined. As already stated, the cells of the trophoblast do not contribute to the formation of the embryo proper. They form the ectoderm of the chorion and play an important part in the development of the placenta. On the deep surface of the inner cell mass, a layer of flattened cells, the endoderm, is differentiated and quickly assumes the form of a small sac, the yolk sac. Spaces appear between the remaining cells of the mass, and by the enlargement and coalescence of these spaces, a cavity, termed the amniotic cavity, is gradually developed. The floor of this cavity is formed by the embryonic disc, composed of a layer of prismatic cells. The embryonic ectoderm, derived from the inner cell mass and lying in apposition with the endoderm. The primitive streak formation of the mesoderm. The embryonic disc becomes oval and then pear-shaped, the wider end being directed forward. Near the narrow posterior end, an opaque streak, the primitive streak, makes its appearance and extends along the middle of the disc for about one half of its length. At the anterior end of the streak, there is a knob-like thickening termed Henson's Knot, a shallow groove, the primitive groove, appears on the surface of the streak, and the anterior end of this groove 
communicates by means of an aperture, the blastophore, with the yolk sac. The primitive streak is produced by a thickening of the axial part of the ectoderm, the cells of which multiply, grow downward, and blend with those of the subjacent endoderm. From the sides of the primitive streak, a third layer of cells, the mesoderm, extends lateralward between the ectoderm and endoderm. The caudal end of the primitive streak forms the cloacal membrane. The extension of the mesoderm takes place throughout the whole of the embryonic and extraembryonic areas of the ovum, except in certain regions. One of these is seen immediately in front of the neural tube. Here, the mesoderm extends forward in the form of two crescentic masses which meet in the middle line so as to enclose behind them an area which is devoid of mesoderm. Over this area, the ectoderm and endoderm come into direct contact with each other and constitute a thin membrane the buccopharyngeal membrane, which forms a septum between the primitive mouth and pharynx. In front of the buccopharyngeal area, where the lateral crescents of mesoderm fuse in the middle line, the pericardium is afterward developed and this region is therefore designated the pericardial area. A second region where the mesoderm is absent, at least for a time, is that immediately in front of the pericardial area. This is termed the proamniotic area and is the region where the proamnion is developed. In man, however, a proamnion is apparently never formed. A third region is at the hind end of the embryo where the ectoderm and endoderm come into apposition and form the cloacal membrane. The blastoderm now consists of three layers, named from without inward, ectoderm, mesoderm, and endoderm. Each has distinctive characteristics and gives rise to certain tissues of the body. Ectoderm. The ectoderm consists of columnar cells, which are, however, somewhat flattened 
or cubicle toward the margin of the embryonic disc. It forms the whole of the nervous system, the epidermis of the skin. The lining cells of the sebaceous, pseudoriferous, and mammary glands, the hairs and nails, the epithelium of the nose and adjacent air sinuses, and that of the cheeks and roof of the mouth. From it also are derived the enamel of the teeth and the anterior lobe of the hypophilus cerebri, the epithelium of the cornea, conjunctiva, and lacrimal glands, and the neuroepithelium of the sense organs. Entoderm. The entoderm consists, at first, of flattened cells, which subsequently become columnar. It forms the epithelial lining of the whole of the digestive tube excepting part of the mouth and pharynx, and the terminal part of the rectum, in brackets, which are lined by involutions of the ectoderm, in brackets. The lining cells of all glands which open into the digestive tube, including those of the liver and pancreas the epithelium of the auditory tube and tympanic cavity of the trachea, bronchi, and air cells of the lungs, of the urinary bladder, and part of the urethra, and that which lines the follicles of the thyroid gland and thymus. Mesoderm. The mesoderm consists of loosely arranged branched cells surrounded by a considerable amount of intercellular fluid. From it, the remaining tissues of the body are developed. The endothelial lining of the heart and blood vessels and the blood corpuscles are, however, regarded by some as being of entodermal origin. As the mesoderm develops between the ectoderm and endoderm, it is separated into lateral halves by the neural tube and notochord, presently to be described. A longitudinal groove appears on the dorsal surface of either half and divides it into a medial column, the paraxial mesoderm, lying on the side of the neural tube, and a lateral portion, the lateral mesoderm.
The mesoderm in the floor of the groove connects the paraxial with the lateral mesoderm and is known as the intermediate cell mass. In it, the genitourinary organs are developed. The lateral mesoderm splits into two layers, an outer or somatic, which becomes applied to the inner surface of the ectoderm, and with it forms the somatopleur and an inner or splanchnic, which adheres to the endoderm, and with it forms the splanchnopleur. The space between the two layers of the lateral mesoderm is termed the cellum. The neural groove and tube. In front of the primitive streak, two longitudinal ridges caused by a folding up of the ectoderm make their appearance, one on either side of the middle line. These are named the neural folds. They commence some little distance behind the anterior end of the embryonic disc, where they are continuous with each other and from there gradually extend backward, one on either side of the anterior end of the primitive streak. Between these folds is a shallow median groove, the neural groove. The groove gradually deepens as the neural folds become elevated and ultimately the folds meet and coalesce in the middle line and convert the groove into a closed tube, the neural tube or canal, the ectodermal wall of which forms the rudiment of the nervous system. After the coalescence of the neural folds, over the anterior end of the primitive streak. The blastophore no longer opens on the surface, but into the closed canal of the neural tube, and thus a transitory communication. The neurenteric canal is established between the neural tube and the primitive digestive tube. The coalescence of the neural folds occurs first in the region of the hindbrain, and from there extends forward and backward. Toward the end of the third week, the front opening, anterior neuropore, of the tube finally closes at the anterior end of the future brain, and forms a recess which is in contact for a time 
with the overlying ectoderm. The hinder part of the neural groove presents for a time a rhomboidal shape, and to this expanded portion, the term sinus rhomboidalis has been applied. Before the neural groove is closed, a ridge of ectodermal cells appears along the prominent margin of each neural fold. This is termed the neural crest or ganglion ridge, and from it, the spinal and cranial nerve ganglia and the ganglia of the sympathetic nervous system are developed. By the upward growth of the mesoderm, the neural tube is ultimately separated from the overlying ectoderm. The cephalic end of the neural groove exhibits several dilatations, which, when the tube is closed, assumes the form of three vesicles. These constitute the three primary cerebral vesicles and correspond respectively to the future forebrain, in brackets, prosencephalon, in brackets, midbrain, in brackets, mesencephalon, in brackets, and hindbrain, rhombencephalon. The walls of the vesicles are developed into the nervous tissue and neuroglia of the brain, and their cavities are modified to form its ventricles. The remainder of the tube forms the medulla spinalis, or spinal cord. From its ectodermal wall, the nervous and neuroglial elements of the medulla spinalis are developed while the cavity persists as the central canal. And so ends another episode of Gray's Anatomy. Even though there was less sex, there was quite a bit of procreation in this episode. Congratulations, you've just slept with Josh. But if you're still awake, please follow this podcast on your podcast players of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Thank you and good night.